BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Vindorovsky show, Oh, What a Week, for Friday, July 8th. This is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. I mean, I bet they don't tell you what kind of pot to smoke in every single edition of the Chicago Reader, but they probably talk about reefer, right? ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. When you go to that website, not only will you find thousands of Ben Jarofsky shows, <laughs> <laughs> you can take the weekend off. <laughs> thousands of Ben Jarofsky shows. You'll also find... The latest column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Ben, tell people about the latest column in the Chicago Reader. Oh, yeah. I I take the deep dive. I I went back in time. I took the deep dive on uh, the story of Bruce Rauner. A little history. Uh, (laughs) Gone, but not forgotten, except by the voters who elected him. I don't want to remember that guy at all. I was just uh, using Bruce Rauner and the whole story of how he signed the HB40 abortion bill uh, as indication or symbol of how much has changed with the Republican Party in just four years. Four years! Uh, uh. Uh, Bruce Rauner, I thought he was horrific governor. I couldn't stand his positions on unions, collective bargaining rights, etc. and so forth. But he signed uh, HB 40, giving uh, obliterating the uh, trigger law uh, from the books uh, in Illinois. Unimaginable that any Republican in the state of Illinois would support that uh, that bill, much less sign it into law. So just a little lesson as to where we were, where we are, and maybe a sign of where we will be going come November. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. It is Friday, July 8th, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, What a Week. Now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Neil Young Ways in Friday, and here's why. Well, it's actually not Neil Young. It's Chicago's Neil Young, Michael Girardi. And I knew he was going to weigh in. Now, I'm going to try to keep this as brief as I can because Young Dennis has a whole bunch of material ready for over a week. Although, I have to read uh, uh, Michael's uh, response. And I, you know what, D? I knew uh, I was going to hear uh, from Mr. Girardi uh, because... Uh, this is yesterday's guest uh, was a Democratic Socialist, Miles Conflossen. Uh, and uh, the worldview of Democratic Socialists uh, uh, sort of triggers uh, Michael Girardi. And every time it does, I have to say to myself, as depressing as this is to acknowledge this, that Michael has a valid point. <laughs> Kill me, Girardi! To concede that you have a valid point. And so then I read the missives he writes, and then I try to book him as a guest. You know what's one of the hardest things in the world to do? Book Michael Girardi as a guest in the show. But I'm really busy. I uh, got a lot going on. Okay. 
we'll get him back uh, one way or another. Maybe he'll play, uh, sing a song or two for us. We call him the Neil Young of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, the guy does so he, much for us. Uh, he, I know he has. He's written so many great songs, and he's got he's just got this like stinging satirical attitude about life uh, that he he's able to just. Uh, like summarize, sum it all up in a song. So a big talent he has. Uh, anyway, uh, he really went at us. Uh, and I'm going to read it. It's a long uh, text that came in today, but I'm going to read it. Uh, it's just a response to yesterday's conversation with Miles um, Kampflasen, uh, similar to the response to conversations I've had with other Democratic socialists like uh, Micah Udrich and uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Here we go. Uh, here you lefties go again crying because the government doesn't have more tax money. I don't know anybody who thinks the government should have more money. Not a soul. There are a few common objections to giving even a single shit about progressive taxation. One is the deeply held belief that the government only spends money on other people, not people like me or anyone I know. Another objection is there's nothing wrong with making money, that wealthy people earned all their money and therefore deserve to be able to keep it. The most consequential objection is the belief that it is unnecessary. To most people, government and politics Politics have nothing to do with real life, so they can't understand the desire for tax-funded public services. If you need something, buy it. If you don't have money, get a job. If your job doesn't pay enough, work harder to move up the ladder. If you refuse to do this, your misfortune is your own fault. This is why nobody cares all that much about poverty, let alone the public funding of government services. Even your beloved pensioners don't give a shit. Doesn't matter where the money, where the government gets the money to pay the pensions. It must be paid. It will be paid. It's not negotiable. If I'm a pensioner, as long as I get that pension money, when I retire in my early 50s from my do-nothing patronage job, you're all on your own fighting over the state's finances. I'm in Florida living like a king. Also, nobody likes politicians. Oh, the riff is just, he's like really going stronger. <laughs> no, Also, no, I lost my place. Also, nobody likes politicians. Help the politicians collect even more money? You got to be nuts. Why? So they can waste it all on corruption and scandal and bullshit like they always do? Why care about who's failing to help pay for that? Good for them. Sadly, these are people who would be receptive if someone says, hey, you and your buddies do all the work around here, but your bosses uh, doesn't, but your boss doesn't do jack shit. And he runs off with all the money. You guys should be running this place. Hell, you guys should own this place. But nobody is talking like that. You can't change any of this unless you get people to see the world differently by speaking their language. The movement to tax the rich to provide more for all is putting the cart way before the horse. Speaking a lot of truth there, young Michael Girardi, and I know you're not saying you believe in those sentiments. I know you're saying these are the sentiments that many people have, even though they're inherently contradictory. One of the great joys and pleasures I have in life, uh, which diverts my attention from the utter misery of life, is to point out the inherent contradictions and hypocrisy of the worldview of people <laughs> as they espouse their worldview uh, in, in, to gain control of government. I, I do this because I am s still struggling to be a rational man in an illogical world trying to find a solution to many of the problems that we face. But more and more, what I discover on the other side is that they just make it up as they go along in order to win the next election and make more money for themselves. So I really understand uh, the difficulty of uh, trying to have a rational or logical argument or discussion with somebody, because what they're saying is inherently contradictory. Like the notion is that uh, I can buy whatever I want. Well, you can't buy roads. You can't buy police protection. You can't buy fire protection. Y you know, I mean, you know, if you're sick. You, you can't buy good health care. So, I mean, there's a lot that you can't buy. And there's also a hell of a lot of ways. And that's where 
uh, uh, Mike and I really see eye to eye. I spent most of my time as a reporter in Chicago chronicling all the waste that goes on in the city, uh, how we just throw money at powerful people uh, who have get the money by virtue of the access, not be, of their access and their connections and their clout, not because they need it. And, and the attitude in Chicago is, uh, Michael, you're absolutely correct, so cynical. It's like, well, let that guy get his as long as I get mine. <laughs> But nobody else. And you're right. That's the other funny thing. Everybody thinks, oh, if I raise my taxes, the money's going to somebody else. Hello? Streets need to be paid. You think Kenny G's going to pay to pave your streets? You think Bruce Rotter uh, is going to pay to pave your streets? But I hear you, Michael Girardi. You're absolutely correct. And my beloved lefties, you should be listening to him. You got to figure out a new way to present what you're presenting. Because it really is falling on a lot of deaf ears. And I say this as a guy who believes in it. You know, I just read this letter. I'm going to sum it all up here. Uh, uh, the great McDumkey, by the way, will be making his return to the show. I'm happy to announce the great McDumkey is making his return to the show. Wrote an absolutely excellent expose in ProPublica, which I cited yesterday, about uh, how Kenny G invested $50 million to beat the fair tax in order to save, I don't know, much, much, much more. He's left the state, so we don't know how much total, but uh, much, much, much more in state taxes. Brilliant move by Kennedy. I give him credit for that. He's a strategist. It's a great move. Uh, I see he will be coming on the show, but the reality is this Kenny G. He spent $50 million uh, to protect his tax bill. He's not going to pay to pave your streets. Do you know how much money it costs to pave your streets to hire your cops, to hire your firefighters? Do you know what? And to pay their pensions? I'm calling yeah, Gary Rabine. Hold on. <laughs> Gary Rabine, gone but not forgotten by Dr. D. Hello? Oh, no, wrong number. <laughs> I don't have his number. Uh, you probably got Phyllis by mistake. Yeah. Uh, Gary Rabine, of course, is the parking lot magnet who ran uh, as in the Republican. Hey, I still remember this, D. I remember how to pronounce his name and everything. I know. Yeah, I think he came in, uh, I want to say, don't quote me, D. Fifth. <laughs> uh, How many were there running? Six? Okay. Uh, maybe no, one or seven. Max Solomon. Oh, okay. Yeah, Can yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember anymore. Short-term memory kicking in. That's me losing my... I can't remember them. Let me see. Wait, hold on. Oh, it was a tangent within a tangent, but... Uh, DB, Darren Bailey, uh, Jesse Sullivan, uh, Dennis's favorite, uh, Richard Irvin. Uh, and then I think, uh, okay, Ray Bine, Paul Shemp. That's five. Who and Solomon. Uh, and Max Solomon six. Uh, is that six? Right, six. Yeah. So Raybon probably came in fourth. Anyway, uh, the reality is, I, I'm um, as I advance uh, toward uh, just uh, senility and <laughs> uh, old age, I still cling uh, to these New Deal New Deal what ideals. Uh, that I inherited from my parents, uh, even in the face of laughter and sarcasm. Like this notion that we're all in it together. Ha <laughs> ha, Ben, how foolish you. We're all savages fighting over little scraps of meat. Anyway, uh, really, I appreciate Michael Girardi weighing in. Uh, and uh, yeah, you've done a lot for the show, so I really can't twist your arm too much to come back. Please, Michael. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, great letter from Michael Girardi, and I will read it, Michael, uh, with my next Democratic Socialist guest come on and see what they have to say. Now, without further ado, the man to meet the legend, pride of Georgia, Illinois, 
with Oh, oh What a Week. No, Gary Rabine. Is he there? <laughs> what? Wrong? Okay, wrong number. I don't have his number. I thought I did. You know, that was yesterday's news. Who wants yesterday's paper? Come on, D. Who wants yesterday's girl? Mm. Mm. Yeah. How's it going, everybody? Oh, by the way, Ben, you've hit your uh, your maximum of uh, curse words with that uh, Girardi note there. You said like shit like 20 times. I was quoting Michael. I did not want to censor him, all right? Okay? We don't censor in the bed drop. No more. Show. You're cut off. All right. How's it going, everybody? So the primary is over, and we're now 123 days away until the next election. And after careful research, I've come to the conclusion that this job is much easier when we're closer to an election. Isn't that right, Ben? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just read results yes, uh, last week. That's all I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did all the hard work. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, good point. Yeah. But do not worry. There is plenty of news to discuss from the week that was in Chicago and or Illinois. A lot of Chicago aldermanic news today. In fact, before our top story, here's a quick Chicago aldermanic trivia question. Now, if this were any other show, let's just be honest. This segment would be pretty bad. But in case you didn't know, this host you're hearing today, oh, my God, huge Chicago political dork. And we're about to prove it, all right, with this Chicago aldermanic trivia question. This is a great question I saw uh, on Politico this week. And Ben Jarofsky, let's see if you can answer it. I think you'll know it once again. Huge dork. All right, here we go. (laughs) Who was the Chicago alderman? Forced to quit when it was determined he actually lived in Wilmette. <laughs> uh, Wilmette? Yeah. No. An alderman who lived in Wilmette? Yeah. I don't know the answer to this question. Uh, I knew there was a committeeman uh, in the 45th Ward who lived in Glencoe, or maybe Glenview. I get my Glens mixed up. I. Uh, wow. Are you sure it was Wilmette? That's what it says here. <laughs> You didn't get it right. Now, you see how I set this up? If you don't know the answer, you're not that big of a dork. You see how I do that? <laughs> so you kind of get rewarded was... for not knowing. I, I, um, uh, Will, Matt, I don't think there was. I don't, I think you, this is a made up question. Uh, the answer and question comes from Politico, and the answer is Alderman Michael Fiorito who was forced to quit in 1963 when it was determined he actually lived in Wilmette. Though some say it's the syndicate that pushed him out. Okay. Wow. Uh, All right. uh, So that's like a twofer right there. Not only are you not that big of a dork, uh, you're not really that old, I guess, because you didn't know that in 63. I didn't know that. 1963, I was a young lad in Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island. (laughs) Okay. Hey, Mom, can we go to the beach today? So, uh, no, I, I, I never even heard of that all. What, what word was it? Did it say? Uh, it says here, uh, Alderman Michael Fiorito. Eh, it doesn't say. I guess it doesn't, didn't matter back in the 60s. <laughs> okay. I, I was completely and totally unaware of that, ladies and gentlemen. I must confess, I'm a little embarrassed to say I did not know <laughs> he had an alderman who actually lived in Wilmette. But give me credit for knowing about the committeeman who lived in Glencoe, although it could have been Glenview. Don't quote me on that. Well, like I said, I'm giving you credit because you're not a huge dork and you're not so old. You didn't know that question. See how I do that? I spin it. All right, here we go. Time for more Chicago news. And hey, have you heard this news? NASCAR is coming to Chicago. Ben, quick, 
What does NASCAR stand for? National Association of Stock Car Racing. Wow, that was so close. I'm actually impressed you got that close. You forgot one word. What's that? It's the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. Oh, for crying out loud. Come on, NASCAR. Believe it or not, it's, it has been many, many years since I watched NASCAR, but I've told you this, Steve, back in the 60s and early 70s, if it was sports and it was on TV, I was watching. Why is we on a wheel? Bobby Allison. Come on, D. I knew all the old guys. Don't ask me any new guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't know any of the new guys. Okay, well, guys. actually, you are old. But, hey, hey, let's look. check this out. Yeah! Got a car here. Uh, have you ever heard of Dale Earnhardt? That's before your time. Oh, huh? uh, come on. Dale, I've heard of Dale Earnhardt, and I know Junior. Well, yeah, you knew the baby. Kyle Petty. Wow. You're going back in time, man. <laughs> Kyle Petty. No, there was a uh, other Petty before Kyle Petty. Pretend trivia points. Who is that? Don't cheat and look it up. You got the real Petty. And that's not Tom Petty. Free falling. Give up? Wait, let me shut the car off. Richard Petty. Wow. Did you cheat? No. Look it up on the no. Okay, dude, very I'm from downstate Illinois. Come on. Okay. <laughs> if I know one thing, I know I can't stand NASCAR, but I somehow know all of it for some reason. No. Richard Petty, man. I'm about to pull a Kyle Petty right here. Watch this. Come on. Yeah. Whoa. Baby. NASCAR comes to Chicago days. Is that the story? Oh, yeah. NASCAR's coming to Chicago. Let me start the car up again. All right. Here we go. The following comes from Block Club Chicago and Kelly Bauer. The city has agreed to let NASCAR hold a race through Chicago's streets. The city has not yet come to an official agreement with NASCAR for the race, but it has been endorsed. Uh, the plan and a partnership is expected to be announced soon. The agreement is expected to outline a three-year partnership where NASCAR would create a temporary course on downtown streets. This sounds dangerous. Yeah. Uh, with the race held in 2023, this is according to The Athletic, the deal could still fall through, but an announcement is expected this month. It's not known where the race course would be set up, but it would be temporary, with one race expected per year as part of the three-year deal. I, I um, don't know whether to laugh or cry at this thing, uh, the absurdity of it all. And uh, so let's put it this way. Uh, this is... Uh, part of the city's ongoing effort and attempt to sort of, I don't know, glamorize Chicago, make Chicago a destination, uh, bring people to Chicago who would otherwise not come to Chicago so that it can uh, spend money here. Uh, it's a way for the mayor of Chicago uh, to get national coverage because if NASCAR has a race in Chicago, D, guess who's going to be uh, all over that? You know, do an interview, showing up wearing a hat, a NASCAR hat. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, if she is the mayor, uh, and and I just I watch this with amusement, uh, and uh, all the time, and this kind of feeds the cynicism uh, that Michael Girardi was getting at in his letters. I'm tying everything together. Be a Girardi theme today. Uh, this is the general cynicism that Chicagoans have that nothing uh, anybody in the city ever does is for Chicago. And I'm just thinking back now to Mayor Rahm. As soon as he got elected, he talked about bringing NATO to town. There was nobody I knew in the city of Chicago who wanted NATO to come to town. There was nobody I knew in the city. Ordinary people. I'm not talking about Chamber of Commerce types or pals or cronies of Rahm. I'm just talking about ordinary uh, people. Uh, 
nobody was going to benefit from having NATO in town except perhaps Mayor Rahm. And, well, of course, the NATO uh, summit in Chicago was unmitigated disaster. There's no no need to uh, revisit that one. There was, like, fighting in the streets of Chicago, <laughs> armed, like, tanks or something going down the streets of Chicago. I don't know if there were tanks. I exaggerate. Uh, but there was a strong military presence uh, in uh, the streets of Chicago with that NATO presence. So, yeah, now here comes NASCAR. Uh, and, uh, and it comes coincidentally, D, at the time that Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, is attempting to uh, get the city council to defeat Alderman Anthony Beal's proposal to uh, raise the threshold. Follow me on this, people. I'm going to make it all connect in the end. Follow me on this, the threshold uh, to get a ticket for speeding uh, from s- going six to ten miles per hour over the speed limit. Okay, uh, he wants to raise it to 10. She wants to keep it at six. The reality is that uh, it's going, there's a lot of tickets being written out, a lot of money coming to the city, and they, she doesn't want to lose that money. Okay, but she's arguing. She, she doesn't want to make the argument point blank that it's all about money. She wants to argue about public safety. So I don't know, D, something about, on one hand, saying, slow down, drivers. You got to go slower. And the other, to promote a race and where they go, what, 200 miles an hour? And they, they, the one thing I remember about NASCAR races, D, uh, from when I watched them, was the part where they go, like the cars are right on top of each other. When I was a kid, I loved that part of it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like uh, a race where, you know, a long race where the really good runners are way ahead of the pack. No, in NASCAR, they're like literally on top of each other. Any, any diversion, any like little, like, uh, the car goes out of line. There's a huge crash, which I think the how much percent of the people that go to NASCAR want to see the crash? Let's be, let's be honest, right? Isn't that what they're there ultimately for? I mean, yeah, a lot of the like novices, you know what I mean? The people who are you know aren't really there for. When I was a kid, yeah, I'm like, oh my god, that would actually be kind of entertaining. I'm so bored. <laughs> I would go. I would go for the cheeseburgers. I remember all the time the races, man. They have great cheeseburgers, and then my dad would be like, "Ah, get a cheeseburger." Then I'd eat it, and I'd be like, "Can we leave now?" And he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> damn." He'd get all mad. That's hilarious because it was the same thing with my kids when I would drag them, <laughs> kicking and screaming, to a, a Northwestern football game. Can we have a hot dog now? I'm bored. I'm done with my hot dog. Eat some potato chips, kid. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so I don't know. I I know. I hear you. Okay. Wait, this I'm doing my uh, uh, what's his name? Okay, huh? that's your guy, huh? What's the Bill Burr, huh? Okay, Dennis, huh? Uh, very good, uh, very good. That's uh, that that that's your race. That's what you want. So I don't know. I just think it's kind of a contradiction sending a mixed message out there. That's all I'm saying. You know, pleading with Chicago motorists to drive carefully, <laughs> slow down. You know what I'm saying? And then bringing NASCAR to town. I'm just saying. I don't know. Just. Kind of a mixed message. Now, I know, Dennis, you're going to come right back at me and go, oh, Ben, come on now. People can see the difference between motorists having to f- abide by the law while driving through the streets of Chicago and a race on a uh, defined course where their the whole purpose is to win, even if it you're know, like really uh, putting your life at risk. I don't know, D. I'm not saying, doesn't that one kind of encourage the other? You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, D, to me, it seems like a mixed message. And I, I just like the whole notion of making doing things that don't benefit Chicagoans but would draw people to Chicago and get us on TV. 
as a way of dealing with our many problems? I don't know, T. <laughs> Okay. I'm not sure that sounds a strategy long term. But well, I tell you what, if this deal goes through, anybody who enjoys riding their bike, a nice Chicago bike ride, maybe look up when this thing's going on and don't take a ride that day. Good God, all these cars going through. I think they had, uh, don't quote me on this. Uh, it wasn't NASCAR. It was, um, it may have been a Grand Prix uh, race uh, in Detroit. Do you remember that? And and they had the course. It was I watched like five minutes of that. The course, uh, mm-hmm. just all in and out of. Okay, forget it. I, it. I'm pretty sure that happened in the. Uh, hey Jamie, could you look up a Grand Prix race in Detroit? Back to you. Dude. Wait, I'm Jamie too. You can't tell me to look something up and then go back to me. I'm both people. Hold on, Grand Prix, <laughs> Detroit. Okay, hold on. I'm looking. All right, let's see. Chevrolet Grand Prix of Detroit. Is it? Is it for real? Yeah. That, was not a IndyCar a, a, Series race weekend held on a temporary circuit in Detroit, Michigan. The race has been held from 1989 to 2001, 2007 to 2008, and since 2012. So took some years off there, but I guess. Gotta, gotta give me credit, man, that I knew that. Uh, by the way, that was a great Jamie move. Very good. <laughs> I like it. Thanks. The, the, uh, does Jamie ever get to, to be seen? Uh, Jamie is uh, Joe Rogan's producer. I've never right? seen the guy. Yeah. It's, it's, Jamie, I know. You, <laughs> but you hear him. You hear his voice, mm-hmm. you know, squawking over the mic, headphones or whatever. Anyway, back to you, young man. Once again, everybody, in 2023, NASCAR is coming to the city of Chicago. Whoa! Now to the latest in our Chicago mayoral race. Is Lori Lightfoot still running? This little light of mine. Uh, What do you think? I'm going to let it shine. (laughs) Of course she is. And we have her latest campaign numbers. Numbers that if, Ben, you and I were running, we could definitely do some major campaign groundwork. But according to our trusty Chicago political know-it-alls, these numbers could be better. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woman Spielman. The headline reads, Lightfoot ends second quarter with $2.5 million in campaign fund after raising $1.25 million. Mayor Lori Lightfoot has $2.5 million in her campaign war chest. That leaves the mayor with $2.5 million in cash on hand to bankroll what is almost certain to be an uphill battle for re-election. Veteran political operative Victor Reyes said Lightfoot's fundraising is improving, but nowhere near enough to overcome her 25% approval rating at all of the recent polls. Reyes said what is most surprising about the 2023 mayoral election cycle is the hypocrisy. I don't think that's the worst part. (laughs) No, he said what is most surprising about the 2023 mayoral election cycle is that Chicago's big money interests are still sitting on the sidelines either for her or for someone else. Ben, what do we know about this Reyes? And does he, in fact, know what the hell he's talking about? Victor Reyes uh, is a political operative, goes back to the daily years. I said it's kind of... Wow, he got dragged out. Uh, he uh, was a political operative for Daily, very influential lawyer. Daily put him, I believe, on the CTA board, uh, and uh, he was one of the uh, 
founders of an outfit called HDO, Hispanic Democratic Organization, whose stated purpose uh, was to do more to promote the candidacy of Hispanic officials, uh, elected officials, but in reality, uh, mostly uh, was set up to be a patronage army uh, for Mayor Daley, and they really didn't care about the ethnic background of any of the people they were uh, supporting, so long as they those people pledged allegiance uh, to Mayor Daley. I remember this. They supported John Pope down in the 10th Ward against a couple of other Hispanic uh, candidates. So I said, wait a minute. I thought you were all about promoting Hispanics. See, it, it, it's so easy to be cynical and jaded uh, if you spend a lot of time in the city of Chicago because nothing is what they say it is. You know, I mean, it's true. Girardi, write a song about HDO, please. Oh, barking out writing orders. Michael Girardi's like, I am an artist. I am not a jukebox. Uh, and so I cannot just write about whatever pops into your brain, Ben. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, Victor Reyes. Uh, yeah, I think he was on the CTA board for a while. Uh, Mayor Daly put him on the CTA board. And uh, and then when HDO's reputation was tarnished by one scandal or another, he kind of disappeared. Now he's back being quoted in the newspapers. I believe he was, he was uh, offering advice to uh, the Hispanic uh, caucus in regards to the ward map. What a disaster that was. <laughs> Ah, uh, the old ward map, D. Kind of missed that debate. You know what I mean? Uh, I was like always wondering to the Hispanic uh, caucus, like, why are you guys taking advice from Rick Victor Reyes? You know, I mean, half you guys are lefties. He would have been on the opposite side. Hello. I don't know. It seems like a lot of money still, right? Victor Reyes is talking about. Uh, so in the old days, the mayors had precinct captains that would go to door and knock on your door. Hello, we want you to vote for the mayor. Here's a. Uh, a I, I hope they it. have a better approach than that. Uh, hello, I'm like, get out of here. I remember the last time they Mayor Rahm had some walking around my neighborhood. I ended up getting in a fight with one. Uh, F bombs were flying, and I threatened to call the police. Did not work well for either me or them. Uh, but um, <clears throat> I've heard about it a few times. Uh, but nowadays, uh, without uh, with patronage laws uh, that prevent uh, the mayor from forcing municipal workers to uh, go door to door, what the mayors do is they follow me in this, folks. This is how it works. They promote uh, legislation and TIF giveaways that benefit uh, really rich people. Uh, and then the really rich people give them a lot of money uh, so that they can run campaigns saying to uh, the average Chicago voter, I care about you uh, and I'm going to do everything I can to uh, keep you from being mugged. And that's pretty much how Chicago works. So follow me in this, folks. Give the TIF money to the rich people. Rich people give you campaign contributions. You run commercials, never mentioning TIF programs or giveaways and just talk about crime. Got it, D? That's how it works. You too can be elected mayor. Uh, and what they're noticing uh, is that not a lot of the rich people are kicking in the Lori Lightfoot. And um, I don't know, maybe they don't like her. Someone once said to me, Ben, they, she's too liberal for them. And I'm like, what? What? What evidence? What evidence? I really can't see much of a difference, ladies and gentlemen, between how Lori Lightfoot runs her economic development program and Mayor Daley and Mayor Rahm did. Just saying. So you think these so, people are uh, waiting to, uh, I guess, pull in a griffin where they kind of wait it out and see if they can uh, back somebody that may win and give them like yeah. a... Millions exactly. Of I'll get, the Griffin uh, alludes to, of course, uh, young Kenneth Griffin, uh, 
otherwise known as Kenny G. No, not the sax player. Formerly the richest man in the state of Illinois. I believe he can't, I can't say that anymore because I'm pretty sure he's moved to uh, Florida, in which case Dennis is now the richest man in the state of Illinois. Uh, Finally. And and, uh, so anyway, so Kenny G, yes, I give him credit. At least he, you know, well, he should have run for governor. I mean, clearly he wanted to beat Pritzker, so he should have had the guts to just go one-on-one with Pritzker. Uh, but he didn't have the guts, well, so he ran. That's what around. I. That's what I was saying the whole time. But apparently, dude doesn't even want to live here. So I mean, like, maybe don't run for governor. I don't know. Uh, no, he doesn't. Uh, he's he's. <laughs> I think he likes to be the guy behind the scenes uh, who gives out the money to the politicians, and then he feels like he controls them, so he can call them up at any time. Very, very. Uh, take my ball and go home. Kind of. Bra- yes. Kind of bratty. If you. Ask oh my me. goodness! He he took the ball and he ran to another state. I'll bet you anything that he still has maintains his. It's okay. So just so you understand, D, when you're the war, when you're the state's richest man, as the state's second richest man, you would not understand this. But as the state's richest man, you're not like uh, just some ordinary Joe who, when he moves from Chicago to Florida, has to sell his home in Chicago so he has the money to buy a home in Florida. Yeah. You get what I'm saying, yeah, Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're the state's richest man, you can keep the home in Chicago and the home in New York and the home wherever else you got one and buy a new home in Florida. He probably already owned a home in Florida. That's what being the state's richest man entails. So he's probably going to keep the home he's got here in Chicago, a penthouse or something like that. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, so he was forthright. He would, he would apparently select who uh, he wanted to be governor or mayor. And then all the other rich guys would follow his lead. They didn't want to be the ones who stuck their neck out, you know? So I give him credit for at least on this front, sticking his neck out. The other rich guys are like, whatever you say, boss, just show me where to put my money. Okay. All right. So we can kind of look possibly here uh, in the future for Mayor Lightfoot to be making some moves that are directed towards some big money people. Yeah. Rich people, right? Maybe, maybe a big group of rich people really want a dome on that soldier field. I I have actually, actually may have said this yesterday. Uh, the news has been so horrible this week, uh, which is ceaseless carnage uh, throughout the Chicago area in the city of Chicago and uh, Highland Park. Uh, and the obvious explanation is that we have this like love for weaponry and have plenty of it available. Uh, and so the more guns we have, guess what? The more people are going to use them the more people are going to get shot. Somehow or other, that logic, which is perfectly logical, has eluded uh, most of the elected officials in this country. So we're just going to have to live with this carnage forever. So it's really, uh, it's depressing, and I, I have to talk about it. But I didn't want to talk about it today. I want to take a break from it. And always Chicago has now become a diversion the machinations of Chicago's mayor. Uh, and so this latest a task force report that was just emerged uh, in which uh, an advisory group that uh, Mayor Lori Life put together to advise her on what to, how ways to improve the campus, museum campus along the lakefront from downtown to the near south side uh, has come up with an idea of potentially doming Soldier Field, uh, which has got to be the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> it's like... Did they put that out there because they just wanted to see if anybody was reading this thing? And most likely they put it out there 
Uh, well, it was probably a trial balloon that the mayor said, let's just put that out there, see how it goes. Uh, and um, it's why is it dumb, do I say? Well, first of all, the, the reason for uh, trying to update Soldier Field, uh, presumably, is to entice the Chicago Bears to stay there. Right now, that's the biggest tenant Soldier Field has. Uh, and the Bears have already indicated that no way they're going to build their own stadium with probably with uh, TIF money from prop, from the uh, property taxpayers uh, in Arlington Heights who have not been the beneficiary of 20 years of me writing about TIFs. So they don't know about it. They think it's a legitimate deal. Oh, I've the TIF program out here. It's not like it is in Chicago. I love it when suburbanites tell me that. They go, it's not like it is. Oh, really? What's the difference? <laughs> what difference is there? Hello, it's a tax hike. Which the, they pretend isn't a tax hike. Anyway, so uh, I believe the Bears are going. So who's your tenant going to be? That's number one. Number two, uh, the I got to give the bright one credit. I think it was Dave Roeder or maybe France. Roeder. I miss that well, dude. He back really in the good. old days uh, when we were at the the, the Sun Times, uh, Dave Roeder, we would walk by his desk uh, on our way to that yeah. little uh, studio in the next to the bathroom where they stuck us. Uh, and Roeder was one of the guys who would be nice, right? Dave? Uh-huh, you know, we uh-huh. talked about this. One of the nice guys at the Sun Times. Not a whole lot of them, but there were some. Well, we got uh, uh, there was and, Tommy um, two. We got Tommy uh, Shuba, Tommy two joints. Well, Dave Roeder was Dave six monitors. He had like six monitors. <laughs> yeah, 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 double dead. monitors, huge. Like, what are you doing? Like, what do you want to watch sports shows or something? <laughs> two monitors. I need two monitors, Ben. Okay. And it, no, it was Fran Spielman. It wasn't uh, Dave uh, Roeder. Anyway, uh, but uh, it was um, uh, Fran uh, Spielman's article. No, I think it may have been Rotors from yesterday. This is a, I can't remember. It talked to the the person who, the architect of the last Soldier Field renovation, and they were just saying, they, they're like just trying to do everything to Soldier Field. It really was not meant for the last uh, arc, arc redesign that took place when Mayor Daly uh, was trying to keep the bears here. We're still paying off that project. Just think about that, Chicagoans. You're still paying off that project, all right? Still haven't finished paying back the loan to fix it up so that the Bears would stay. The Bears are now leaving. And so now there's a proposal to add another doohickey on it, a roof, to make it look even odder than it already is in the hopes maybe that will keep the Bears here. Let them go, Chicago. Gets back to the NASCAR thing. Your identity is not linked to the Bears playing what is it, eight games a year? Yeah, it's linked to NASCAR. <laughs> it's not no, it's not that either, though. You know what? You're you had an identity. It was linked to the blues. Maxwell Street, home of the blues. What did you do? You destroyed Maxwell Street. It's like people would come to Chicago from Europe. I want to go to Maxwell Street, the home of the blues. Hey, here's a here's a good idea. Let's destroy Maxwell Street. Now D is a a, a millennial. He doesn't even know what Maxwell Street is. I don't blame him. It was destroyed. But we're going to do absolutely anything we can to keep this really bad football team. Now, here's where the two worlds merge. I try to keep the sports away from the politics. But I'm, all you political junkies out there, you need to know something about the Bears. They're awful. They're awful football team. Absolutely awful football team. Why do I root for them? Because I've been brainwashed. All right. In other mayoral candidate news, CEO Paul, maybe I'll win this time. 
Vallis dropped $836,500 into his mayoral campaign fund. Vallis's second quarter fundraising report includes six-figure contributions from some heavy hitters. They include $500,000 from prominent Republican donor and golf course magnate Michael Kaiser. Hey, they buy sneakers, too. Uh, $100,000 apiece from Canning and James Perry of Madison Dearborn. Partners, $50,000 from Noel Moore, managing partner of Endurance Asset Management, and $25,000 from Edgar Backrack of Bader Clothing. So, listen, here's the deal. Um, Paul Vallis, when Dennis said he was CEO, he was CEO of the Chicago Public Schools during the daily years. Uh, and uh, so he was also chief of staff for Mayor Daly. This is the 90s, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, now, people who live in the city of Chicago today uh, who, and have lived here for the last five years know him as a perennial candidate. So they probably don't know about him when he was like, had like jobs in the Daly administration. He was part of the Daly team. That's ancient history. Only old timers know that. Uh, and uh, he is far right of center. Uh, he was an advisor to the Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, he probably had conservative leanings deep in his heart back in the daily years, but he kept them to himself if he did. Uh, and uh, if he runs, he'll be running at Lori Lightfoot from the right. And Dennis, I do not believe that uh, you could beat Lori Lightfoot in a one-on-one race running at her from the right. I point this out every week on this show. Chicago is a democratic city. Now, it may be a more conservative democratic city than I would like it, but the reality is uh, it's a democratic city and it's a democratic city in which most of the people who live here uh, despise Donald Trump and MAGA. So it's going to be really hard. It's a, that's that's going to be a very difficult challenge, even with a lot of money. You know what I'm saying, D? And we all just saw with the Richard Irving campaign, money doesn't absolutely buy everything. So uh, I don't know if somebody running to the right can beat um, from the right can beat Lori Lightfoot in a runoff. It's coming to a runoff, ladies and gentlemen. You understand that, right? It's going to be a runoff. Uh, if you don't, if no two candidate, if no candidates more fifty percent of the voters, automatic runoff. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised, D, if uh, uh, well-to-do uh, MAGA types or conservative Republican types uh, who supported Kenny G were part of the Kenny G team and. Uh, supported Richard Irvin, uh, kicked the money over to Vallis. I wouldn't be surprised because he's essentially a Republican. But I don't know how it's going to translate into a victory on Election Day. I'm not seeing it. I don't see it happening. I think we're done. The campaign, of course, is not done. No, the campaign's done. <laughs> you lost. Third place is not bad. Okay, got more votes than I did, D. Don't forget that. That is true. That is true. <clears throat> So, yeah, Paul Vallis got some money there. But remember, Lori Lightfoot is not the richest candidate in the race. That title belongs to businessman Willie. Oh, I'll for sure win this time. Wilson, <laughs> who put five million dollars of his own money into his campaign. And, uh, well, I guess the mayor isn't too worried about raising that money in the near future, because this week the mayor is headed to Paris and London. She'll be there to promote Chicago businesses and economy. Gregory Pratt from the Chicago Tribune reports that she'll meet with Sadiq Khan, mayor of London, and Anne Hidalgo, 
mayor of Paris. She will also meet with business leaders to explore new opportunities and participate in a series of roundtable discussions and attend policy briefings with local city hall leadership. Ben, call me crazy. But this sounds like it has all the ingredients for a luncheon. Do you think Paris and London are into luncheons? Uh, yes. Uh, going uh, to Europe, going to Asia is a time old tradition of Chicago uh, mayors. I used to really get nervous whenever Mayor Daly would go somewhere. Did he go somewhere all the time? Because he would see something that he liked that maybe worked in uh, Beijing or maybe worked in Paris, but I'm not quite sure it worked in Chicago. And he would come home and he would say, I want that now. And Chicago being Chicago, the response was, yes, boss, whatever you say. And that's how we got uh, the uh, we spent, I forget how many hundreds of millions of dollars to build an underground railroad station at Block 37 in downtown because Mayor Daley had this vision that there would be an express train in downtown Chicago, like the express train he rode in Beijing. I think it was when he went to China uh, that would go directly to the airport. There was no need for it. We already have an express train uh, that runs from the airport uh, to downtown Chicago. We already have a train anyway that runs. Uh, there's taxi cabs. You could drive if you want to. You know what I'm saying? There was no need for an express train. But he was going to build one, and so to prepare for it, uh, he uh, built this massive underground uh well, it's just like a big hole, that's what it is, uh, to prepare for a st uh, station. And it's probably still paying off the loans on that one, D. Uh, Michael Girardi, there's a song, Block 37, that's just waiting for you to write. Uh, so I always used to get a little nervous. Uh-oh, Mayor Daly's going out of town. He's going to see something that's going to cost us a lot of money. And then he's going to say, I am the visionary mayor who went to Paris, who went to Beijing and saw things that no one in Chicago could even imagine. And now we have them in Chicago, a world-class international city. Chicago's obsessed with being... Do you think people in Cleveland, D, are obsessed with being a world-class international... Do you think people in Alton, Illinois, are obsessed with being a world-class international city on par with Paris and London? Do you think so? I don't think so. I think they got just kind of a... Uh, you know, that's just a, a healthy understanding of where they stand in the world. Your that's, thoughts, pussy, that's pussy stuff, man. <laughs> the views and opinions of Dr. D do not necessarily reflect those of the Bendrosky. Yeah, it's the downstate. When someone called me a pussy for wearing a mask. Oh, I'll right? never forget it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just summed it up. I tried to. <laughs> that just summed it up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and that guy who said that to D, I believe he is now uh, the campaign manager for Darren Bailey and Thomas DeVore, attorney general candidate. <laughs> Pussies. Dennis is wearing a mask in the middle of a pandemic. He's like doing a good deed, wearing a mask so he doesn't spread his germs to you. And what's the response? Pussy. <laughs> good luck winning that guy's you know, vote. I got to admit, I laughed when it happened. No, I, we've been getting, I'm kind of glad it happened because we've got a lot of material out of it. <laughs> All right. So the mayor, Paris, London. Now, like I said earlier, we got to keep an eye on the mayor. Maybe she's doing some things that are trying to attract some richer people. So maybe this is what she's doing here. Like, hey, uh, Paris and London, you guys go there. I go there, too. Give me your money. Yeah, uh, that's the idea. The idea is that she meets somebody in Paris uh, and convinces that person to invest money in Chicago. 
Oh God, I can remember this one. I remember Governor Jim Thompson going all around the world, to, and they always tell you this is going to pay off. This is going to have a payoff. In fact, Mayor Rahm is still getting credit. I love this. You know, Mayor Rahm would go anywhere, do anything to bring jobs, businesses to Chicago. You know, and uh, so yeah, that's the sense that uh, that the mayors uh, are really working for your interest. Uh, when reality. Uh, to just sort of paraphrase uh, Michael Girardi, people just want to see something tangible that benefits them, that they need to get through life. Okay? They don't need an express train from Block 37 to O'Hare. Express train, which would have such an exorbitant uh, price of fare that you couldn't afford it. No normal average Chicagoan could afford it. It was built, would be built... Just singularly for upscale business travelers, we were going to invest untold amounts of millions of dollars on this thing. See that, but that—that's it's like the the Olympics. I could go on and on about that one. It wouldn't have benefited any ordinary normal person in the city of Chicago, but we were we wrote a blank check for that thing. And so this is a similar day. I am going to look out for Chicago. And I'm going to, I, it's probably just a vacation. And by the way, I don't begrudge her a vacation. Mayor deserves a vacation, right? I go on vacations. Yeah. Or maybe she got on one of those London pay phones and where Greg, Gregory Pratt can't find it. <laughs> and she's calling up Ken Griffin like, hey, what do I got to do, man? Come on, help me. Gregory Pratt, uh, a Chicago Tribune reporter, were a very, I, now he's one of the few people on Twitter I follow on a routine basis. I got to bring Greg back to go do his Twitter. I love those deep dives on Gregory Pratt's Twitter feed, but he had a funny one last night and I, I could really relate. He tweeted out, I forget what time it was. It was like quarter or 11 or something. And he goes, I'm helping some reporter uh, on a FOIA request. I think that's what he said. And I had a laugh. I'm like, I've been there, Gregory. I've been there at like 11 at night. Just, I should be chilling out, smoking a doobie, watching TV, going for a walk, reading a book. Uh, instead, I'm like going through reams of documents, half of which are redacted, losing my mind, trying to make sense out of like a half a page of information. This is the government's FOIA responses where they send you a, they redact half of it. It's like a way of torturing you. Because if you when we see what was redacted, we realize there was no reason, legitimate reason to redact it. It's just sort of like messing with you for even daring to ask to see a public document. Anyway, I, I, I got a kick out of that, Greg, and uh, said, man, I have been there, GP. All right, so that's uh, the latest on the mayor, the latest on the mayoral election. Ben, get in the car. Thank you very much. We got to move on. Holy crap, you're like Burt Reynolds, man. <laughs> I love Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Me too. Uh, more aldermanic news. Alderman James Kempelman. To retire from the city council, Mayor Lightfoot said she is not at all surprised that city council turnover would follow the two-year pandemic. She said, I think we'll see some others who may, who may also say it's time for me to move in a different direction. What do you think about this? Uh, James Kappelman retiring from city council. Uh, is there a song that goes, time for me to fly? Ooh. Uh, you know, I don't know if I agree with uh, Mayor Lowry Lightfoot and I. We'll see. I, I I saw her quote. Uh, I, think, I think that's her saying, hey, there's a couple of you guys I don't like. Why don't you get lost and join yeah. them, huh? 
You know, and it's also a way of saying, oh, man, this job has been so tough for the last four years, but she's sticking tough. She's not like some, you know, wimpy alderman who's going to walk away, walk away. Uh, and um, so I, I don't know. I, we'll see how many uh, step down. You know, um, I love that job. It's it's a tough job. It's not a great stepping stone to higher office. I think the last time around, George Cardenas was the only alderman uh, who won his election. Alderman George Cardenas was victorious for the Cook County uh, Board of Review. I'm thinking of the other alderman who ran for judges' laws. I'm doing this off the top of my head. So it's not a great stepping stone, launching pad. Uh, yet, I don't know. It's People love being alderman. A lot of people run for it. A lot of it's like you're the person in your ward. You know, I mean, you ever heard that saying? Uh, what is it? A, a, a big fish in a small pond. Well, that's what you are. Uh, and Kappelman has been the alderman since I want to say 2011. Am I correct on that one, D? 2011. So that would be one five. Hold on, ladies, about nine. Three terms. He's. Well, I think he said 67 years old. So I don't know how much it was the pandemic and just. He probably got his pension and he's ready to move on, but we'll see. You know, I, uh, I don't see, I don't see a whole flood of aldermen uh, stepping down. I think they kind of in a weird way like it. And by the way, uh, David Gloatz will be on the show on Tuesday. We're going to take the city council uh, rundown of some classic moments over the last month, which will prove how much they like it. That debate where they get on that floor of that city council and go at it. Well, where are you going to, where are you going to find that charge? You know, if you're an argumentative type, you know what I'm saying, Dave? Like, where where else can you find that? It's like, why do football players stay along, so long that they damage their brains and break their bones and they're limping? Because nothing else it just replicates that, that charge of crashing into each other on a Sunday. You know, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's what gets people off. So, I... I uh, to quote Kenny Davis, uh, All right, those weren't words. <laughs> More aldermanic news. And this is, in fact, the opposite of retiring. The following comes from the Chicago Sun Times and John Seidel, Patrick Daly Thompson, sentenced to four months in federal prison. <laughs> Patrick Daly Thompson, yes, the former Chicago City Council member and heir to the city's most legendary political dynasty, was sentenced Wednesday to four months in federal prison for tax crimes. Yeah, Patrick Daly uh, Thompson, uh, he was, see, let me get this correct before the dyslexia kicks in. Uh, he is a nephew to one mayor, Richard M. Daly, and the grandson of another mayor, Richard J. Daly. Uh, he, his mom was Richard M. Daly's, or is Richard M. Daly's uh, sister, and so his middle name is Daly. Uh, she married and the name changed, obviously. So this is just a long, uh, twisted way of saying he's the last of the dailies, I think, uh, in the city of Chicago. I think it was just John Daly is a Cook County commissioner, but I'm talking about the next generation. We saw this with the Kennedys. You know, at some point, all these great dynasties come to an end. Uh, the Bushes, that, that seems to have come to an end. The, the uh, baby Bush lost in Texas, got clobbered. <laughs> Maga goes, no, we're not going to vote for you. He was like, baby Bush was, uh, he, he, he was just like, bowing down to Donald Trump, trying to uh, do anything he can to uh, uh, win over uh, MAGA, and he lost. So, I, you know, dynasties, political dynasties are run their course. Uh, and I 
I, I, I believe this is the last of the dailies. And you know, D, I mean, when I think about what he did in terms of all the scandals that have happened in the city of Chicago, you know, it's tax fraud. It's, I mean, uh, I, I'm not like I'm condoning it or anything, but I don't know. He got four months for it. His cousin who went to prison for uh, manslaughter for killing a guy after a fight guy, I think less time. You know, I don't know, manslaughter, tax fraud, D, you know what I'm saying? Ah, something a little out of whack there. All right. Uh, and with this news, once again, uh, former alderman Patrick Daly Thompson sentenced to four months in federal prison. The Chicago Sun-Times decided to take a deep dive with their Chicago City Council Hall of Shame. Did you know that Patrick Daly Thompson is the 37th council member to be convicted in less than half a century? Well, no need to look it up and prove me wrong because it's true. The Sun-Times went through and listed all of the convicted aldermen. Now, Ben, when I saw this, I immediately thought, holy crap, there is a Ben Jarofsky show segment somewhere here, all right? And after an extensive pre-show meeting, yes, we had one, we have come up with that segment. Ben, let's fire it up. Whoa, buddy. That's right. It is time for the Ben Jarofsky show's Convicted Alderman Challenge. Whoa. (laughs) Fire it up, bud. All right. What I'm going to do... I have the list. Okay, Bane, I need you to shut the car off. All right, thank you. Um, <laughs> this dude's ready to just drive anywhere after the show today. My God. Okay, I have the list from Chicago Sun-Times of the uh, convicted aldermen. Uh, 37 of them. I don't know if we're going to go through all of these, but we'll see how many we can get through. Uh, what I'll do is I will name the aldermen, and Ben, you can t- uh, try to tell me what year, close to, I guess, and what they were convicted for. Okay, and let me just say this. I did not cheat. Uh, I did not look this up. Uh, I do not have access right now to the Internet. So just like I had to admit I didn't know the name of the alderman, uh, Fioretti, uh, who uh, had to step down because he actually lived in Wilmette, and I'll have to acknowledge ignorance if that is the case. Go ahead, D. Yeah, well, I was going to edit that out, but you just mentioned it, so I guess I'll keep oh. it in. I guess I'll keep it in. All right. Uh, too much work, D, editing it out. <laughs> uh, you can edit both things out. Did you think of that? I was just kidding. I wasn't going to edit it out. All I right. I knew it. Now. The only things that get it out edited out are when he makes a mistake. Go ahead, D. Hey, let's start the convicted alderman or the convicted aldermanic challenge. See, I'll edit that part out. All right, here we go. I'll list the year and the name, and you just tell me what they were convicted for, all right? How about that? Sound good? Okay, Ben, quit peeling out! All right, Fred Hubbard, 1973. I didn't realize it was 73. It took a while to catch up to him in terms of the conviction. Fred Hubbard, I remember, I was uh, actually just moved to the city, uh, moved to Evanston. A young lad, Fred Hubbard, Mike Royko wrote about him. He was elected, I believe, from the second ward, uh, and he was convicted of, like, stealing federal funds he, he ran off with them uh he and, and his election was a big deal because he ran as a reformer <laughs> hey girardi man this stuff's been going on a long time it's easy to be cynical in chicago he ran as a reformer and then he ran off with the money hello uh and then he disappeared dean i believe don't quote me on this they caught him in vegas i think he was he disappeared Royko had a field day with this Mike Royko, legendary political columnist. Back then, it was for the Daily News. And I think 
they wound up catching him in Vegas. And when they caught him, you know what he said? Viva Las Vegas. Sorry. Let's see if he's right. That is correct. Yeah. Pleaded guilty to embezzling. Wow. Man, looking for that word. He's looking for really one word, but you went on to a big story. But that's Come fine. Come on, man. That's Sometimes fine. the best part of the story is that they caught him in Vegas. <laughs> Let's get it right, okay? Come on, bright one. Wake up. Yeah, all this hard work you did. You forgot the Vegas thing. All right. Next question or next alderman. Once again, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's aldermanic convicted challenge. Joseph Jambrone in 1973. Uh, yeah, he was from the south. I want to say the southwest side. I was, I wasn't really paying intensive uh, attention. I want to say uh, Jambrone would been from. Uh, I'm going to say the 23rd ward. I'm really just guessing wildly, uh, and I believe it was bribery. All right. Well, you should have just left that ward part out because you got the second part right. The 28th <laughs> ward, Joseph Jambrone, mm. and he was convicted of taking bribes. That is correct. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, but I don't know. And like, that was one of those aldermen that I didn't know of. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I don't have like a deep connection. Uh, I think that's when the 28th ward was run by uh, Italian and Jewish pop. Uh, politicians, even though most of the residents were black. Go ahead, Dee. All right, moving on to the next convicted alderman. We're going to do one more here, and I'm going to find one that isn't bribery. All right, here we go. All right, let me see here. Convicted of taking bribes, pleaded guilty to paying a bribe. <laughs> bribery. Convicted of taking bribes. Okay, I think the segment's over. Oh, no. They all took bribes. No, I think uh, if you look, uh, Perry Hutchinson. Oh, here we go. Pleaded guilty to taking yeah. bribes in 1988. If you're an alderman and you're looking at this list, big takeaway here is don't take bribes. You, you know, they, they don't listen. <laughs> yeah. And and this, uh, I'll close this segment down by saying they all, whether they deserve it or not, they think they're smarter than they actually are. You know, and that was Tom Keene and Ed Burke. They think they're so, and Verdoliak, 10th Ward. Uh, he may be on that list too. Uh, and they think they're so much smarter than everyone else. And they don't realize there's all these federal prosecutors looking to make a name for themselves by <laughs> convicting corrupt Chicago politicians. They make a name for themselves convicting corrupt politicians in Chicago, and then they go use that uh, name that they made to go get a job uh, with one of the most prestigious, high-paid uh, corporate law firms in the city of Chicago, where they get paid fabulous sums of money to defend corrupt politicians. You get more money, follow me on this, folks, to defend a corrupt politician than you get to prosecute a corrupt politician. So you make your money, follow me on this, folks. Okay, youngsters out there, this is if you're thinking of going in a career in law, that's how you do it. You go in, you become a federal prosecutor, you prosecute a, a corrupt alderman, you get uh, adulation in the press for doing so, and then you use that adulation to convince some big-time law firm to hire you, make a fortune, defending corruption. Got it? Okay. There, hey, you know, the... 
that's that's how it works in the city of Chicago. All right. Well, that was our uh, segment. Boy, I really should have looked these names over. A lot of bribery going on. <laughs> What's the last name on the list? Just the most up-to-date name. Patrick Daly Thompson, obviously. Obviously. But uh, before that. Was it Ricky Munoz? That's right. Yeah. And he wasn't uh, bribery, right? He was just straight out theft or embezzlement uh, or whatever. He pleaded guilty they... to wire fraud and money laundering, admitted he took nearly $38,000 from the Chicago Progressive Reform Caucus. Yeah. To pay for personal expenses, such as skydiving and a oh, relative's God. college tuition. And, and bamboozling Ben Jarofsky. Uh, what about, <laughs> about Proko Joe Moreno? Is he on that list? Uh, let's look here. Yeah. I don't think, no, Proko Joe is not on this list. Uh, he got in trouble for uh, drunk driving, as I recall. So maybe that doesn't. Come on, bright one. Let's get to work on that uh, list. Leave right. it to Jarofsky to point out you missed one. <laughs> they would point out, <laughs> listen, I make a ton of mistakes, bright no one. Kidding. Have go at me, all right. All right, so I guess that's the segment. I thought there was going to be a little more meat on there, but that's fine. It still works out. Guys, Alderman, stop doing bribery. All right, now for uh, the state of Illinois. We'll just do this real quickly here. Uh, now, the rest of us are broke. Gas is like a million dollars, and I think I paid 50 bucks for McDonald's the other day. But hey, good news. <laughs> the state of Illinois is apparently doing just fine. According to a new report from a state budgeting agency, state tax revenues grew by $5.5 billion in the fiscal year that concluded on June 30th, exceeding $50 billion for the first time in Illinois history. Must be nice, Illinois. <laughs> yeah, uh, enjoy it while it lasts, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a good deal of the uh, relative prosperity in Illinois is uh, courtesy of the federal government, which pumped a lot of money uh, into Illinois to help us uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and unlike uh, the state of Florida, which took that money and passed it on uh, the terms of uh, tax breaks uh, for people in Illinois, uh, used it generally to balance its budget. Uh, to pay down its mountain of debt. Lord knows what we're going to do next year. But by then, the election will be over, D. And presumably, uh, J.B. Pritzker will be reelected. And that's a problem uh, for down the road, you know? Uh, he'll drive off that bridge when he gets to it. Yeah, we got 123 days until uh, the gubernatorial election and the Illinois general election. But real quick, we do have uh, a bit of news to discuss mm. from over the week involving the gubernatorial candidates. And politics sure is a roller coaster. After his upset Republican primary victory last week, all eyes are now on Republican gubernatorial hopeful Darren Bailey. After the awful Highland Park parade shooting Monday, Bailey on the same day said people should move on and celebrate the 4th of July holiday. Bailey apologized for the insensitive comments later in the week, but also tried to shift the blame to Governor J.B. Pritzker. On Thursday, Bailey called for a special session of the Illinois legislature to address gun violence. Yeah, I'll probably be writing about this, uh, talking about this. Uh, it's one thing to be a MAGA man uh, in a blue state uh, and win the allegiance of your fellow MAGAites, uh, which Darren Bailey has successfully done. Dennis, to his credit, has predicted this from the get-go. Uh, and then it's something else to try to broaden that uh, from your base uh, to win enough votes uh, to actually defeat J.B. Pritzker and get elected governor. That's a challenge because MAGA is so bad. I can't swear anymore because Dennis said I used up all my swear you words. sure did. Uh, so bad-ass crazy that uh, it's going to take a little doing uh, to get uh, <laughs> stop acting bat ass crazy. 
and so this will be the challenge uh, that um, Darren Bailey faces. He will not have, be the beneficiary of millions and millions of dollars from Kenny G. I don't know. Maybe Kenny G will turn, uh, change his mind and start kicking into him, but I doubt it. Uh, and uh, so he probably won't have the strategist who will tell him how to do this. Again, the column I wrote earlier this week talked about how Bruce Rauner uh, was able to sort of moderate his image by taking a strong stance on behalf of reproductive rights, and that was enough to get him past Pat Quinn in 2014. By 2018, MAGA had turned on him, Bruce Rauner, when he made good on his pledge uh, to support a woman's right to abortion, uh, and his party was divided. And he was undercut when he went into a re-election fight against Pritzker. So very difficult and challenging, particularly if you're a man like Darren Bailey and you've never once in your entire life give consideration to the fact that the things you say enrage, upset, irritate, bewilder, pick your word, uh, like 51% of the electorate in this. I just, I'm being conservative when I say that D. Uh, and so, yeah, it will be a challenge DB. And we were saying it earlier uh, a few weeks ago about how the whole strategy for Pritzker to like, you know, he got involved in the primary and basically said, Darren Bailey's the weaker opponent. So he wants to go against him. That's kind of bogus, but like you're kind of proving Pritzker, right? Well, I still think it's bogus. Uh, I still object to it. And I, uh, get nervous when Democrats do it and all many democratic strategists come on the show and vehemently disagree with me in this and tell me how much I don't know about politics. I, uh, and, uh, cause I take seriously the threat that Darren Bailey and Doug Mastriano, uh, Mastriano and Pennsylvania may, uh, represent. Uh, so I don't buy, I don't buy the strategy D I don't like the strategy. Uh, yeah. and, uh, but it's sort of like negative campaigning. I don't like negative campaigning. I wish it wasn't. I think it uh, has really diminished politics, how many times does it work? You know what I'm saying? This, my opponent is a beep. You know, like people are like, yeah. And I don't like giving uh, Darren Bailey advice, but I would say, dude, just maybe not talk so much. Uh, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, anything you say can be made into a Pritzker commercial in like, you know, a day. I would say that uh, whatever first comes to your mind to say, <laughs> don't say it. That would be my advice. It's not like Donnie Trump. See, Donnie Trump, uh, it was a little easier for Donnie uh, to get elected president of the United States than it would be for Darren Bailey to get elected governor of Illinois. Why do I say that? Good question, D. Because the Electoral College is sort of set up to benefit Donald Trump. And Illinois is a blue state, so that just the general makeup of the voting demographic is not favorable to Darren Bailey. So it's a bit of a challenge. Donnie Trump can get elected president being Donnie Trump. Darren Bailey, I don't believe, can get elected governor of Illinois just going all out Darren Bailey. I don't know. Maybe you should try it, see if it works. You know what I'm saying? Then why Then why apologize? Then get up there, you know, just say something completely insulting. You know, like, uh, I don't even want to go there. But uh, so anyway, uh, it will be a curious experiment to see if MAGA, a scary one too, to see if MAGA can win just being MAGA, just just letting its MAGA freak flag fly. <laughs> I, I, I'd say uh, the fact that he apologized, he apologized twice for this D, by the way. There's been two apologies. Yeah. Which I'll, get into later uh 
the, the fact that he felt compelled to apologize really like, makes me indicate it indicates to me that he's not really ready to go full MAGA. In other Republican gubernatorial news, the billionaire businessman is back. No, not Kenny G. Ken Griffin. He oddly relocated to Florida. Some may call it fleeing. But the other billionaire, Richard Uline, he's contributed an additional $5 million to the Political Action Committee. People who play by the rules pack, who is backing Republican Darren Bailey for governor. But apparently, Kenny G, I got to get the hell out of Illinois. Ken Griffin did donate some money to Illinois before his escape. Griffin gave $130 million to Chicago organizations. Uh, The University of Chicago is the largest beneficiary at $30 million, including a $15 million accelerated payment of a previous commitment. Other large gifts include $25 million to Northwestern Medicine, $20 million to the Field Museum, and $10 million each to the Museum of Science and Industry and the Fourth Presbyterian Church. Wow. Give money to the Museum of Science and Industry and is supporting Ron DeSantis, who is Mr. Anti-Science. That's, <laughs> wow, man, what a trippy world that is. Uh, I took a very close look at the list of beneficiaries uh, of uh, donate from donations from Kenny G uh, as he uh uh, dashed out the door to go down to Florida, D. And uh, sad to say that uh, not on the list was the Ben Jarofsky show. So, uh, Damn it. You know, we tried so hard to win him over with our incisive and intelligent commentary, but apparently it didn't work, D. Oh, well. Damn it. Uh, rumor has it that uh, what's uh, uh, Buchanan and Seton? I heard they're getting all of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, dear friend. David Seaton has been going further and further to the right, D. Drifting further and further to the right. Uh, but he's not quite wearing a MAGA hat yet, ladies and gentlemen. Give him time. Well, guys, that's our show. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky or wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. I want to thank the man, myth, the legend, pride, and joy of all in law, without whom this show would be possible. And as Kenny G and David Seaton will tell you back home and Alton, they call him Dr. D. The D stands for Marvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take it up. Petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Let's get out of here. Thank <laughs> you.